potato, but it will be enough. Like you will eat, you will be fed. Um, so just knowing, you know, like investing money, right? Like don't hoard your money, like use it because there will be more on the other end. You know, like if you keep working and you keep moving forward, then you're not going to be without. So that's one of the biggest, biggest, um, philosophical questions in life, right? Mm -hmm. Money versus time. Yeah. You know, people chasing, you know, and neglecting their families and their children yes. to chase money and to work. Yep. When you realize by the time most people who attain that extreme level of success or money or wealth or whatever it is, they realize once they get to the top of the mountain, yep. it's not what they thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Andy says, Andy uh, refers to it as uh, looking under skirts. He's like, he's like, the more, the more people I meet, the more networking I do, he's like, the more skirts I get to look under. And the more I realize that's not what I thought it was going to look like under right, there. Right. Yeah. And so it's really, I think about like, really understanding what is your goal? Like, what is your goal? What is the purpose you're driving towards? Because I think most of us, I mean, I admit this I want to put up, put in the music. People think, oh, I'm going to go to the studio every day. And one of these songs is going to be a hit. Yeah, one of them songs is going to be a hit, but not if you don't got no money. You have to have some money behind the song, period. It ain't going to work. Nobody's going to hear. You're only going to set yourself up for the beat. these bigger artists who have money to be digging like they do. These bigger artists, they don't do anything but go on YouTube, find artists who don't got no money, and steal their shit. You feel me? They steal this shit. Yes, y'all know. Y'all heard about it. Oh, man, that was my song I made in 2015. That was my song I made in 2014. That is not fake. That's all real. They're going to go take your song and switch that shit around. So you need to stop putting out that fucking music and get a bag. Get the bag. You get more respect anyways from everybody, from the bloggers, from this person, from that person. They definitely want to see you come from the ground up. But they definitely want you to have everybody, like for me, right? I, like, I'm I'm assigned somebody, right? But me, I need a hustler like myself. You feel me? Like, you, like, when you look at all these other artists who have these guys that they sign, notice that they sign big hustlers. Big time niggas that's getting money. Big, you know, niggas ain't really just going to sign and niggas that ain't got no type of hustle in them because... It's almost like a drag. It's almost like a, you know what I'm saying? It's one of them like, damn, bro, you feel me? Like, niggas is looking for that, that hustling nigga, the nigga that make you excited when they come around because they always get to the bag. That's fun. You want a, you want a fun motherfucker. Like, you know that they always got their head out that's needy. You know what I'm saying? So most of the time, that's what people... Like, if it's a street guy, they looking for, if they got bags and they looking for niggas inside, they looking for stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? So, on the other end, as far as labels, they more look for younger shorties who they can kind of fuck over, you know what I'm saying? That's the new game right now. When you too smart, they don't really be wanting too much to deal with you because it's like, you too smart. <laughs> But we can get this little 17, 16, 15-year-old nigga that we can blow him up big and really check a bag off his ass because he don't know nothing about nothing. 
fifty thousand dollars is like five hundred thousand dollars to him, a million dollars to him. You know what I'm saying? Get his ass a few little chains and then shit, let him do a show. But we gonna make majority of all the money off his this, off that, this, that. They basically just sucking the motherfucker dry, but they gonna make him super, super famous. You know what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of people that that's real famous. That's younger, not real, real rich. They don't be really rich. You know what I'm saying? You just be like, damn, I thought this person was like rich, rich. But nah, because the labels is getting rich as fuck off this person. But they spoon feeding them. You know what I mean? So you just got to have your paperwork in order. You got to have your management in order. You got to have your account in order. You have to have your lawyer on retainer. You know what I'm saying? You have to... um you gotta have, if you ass capping uh, BMI shit together, you know what I'm saying? And it's basically just about having the finances, man. It's just like a business. Your Music is a business, you know what I'm saying? And I just feel like a lot of people don't understand that. You, how are you so good at music and then when it comes to the business or contracts or, um, Finances, up, you don't know anything about it, but you talking about you, you clearly just doing music for no reason. And in your head, you're not thinking that I'm gonna be the biggest rapper in the world. Okay, what comes with being the biggest rapper in the world? Damn, lawyers, um, accountants, uh, taxes. Um, you feel me? That's how you gotta think. That's the only way that you're gonna really be the top nigga in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no other way of being the biggest rapper in the world if you ain't thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? You just going to the studio doing some music because clearly you're wasting your money. Also, if you go start your LLC, let's say whatever you call your LLC, Trap Boy or Big Dog LLC, right? So if you got an LLC and it's about music, from the studio should be a write-off. When you go in the studio and you pay for your studio time, let's say if you spend five hours a day in the studio, everything should be a write-off. All the clothes you buy, you as an artist, should be a write-off. The cars you're driving, it should be a write-off. Where you stand should be a write-off. You're an artist, you're an entertainer, always. Every, when you go in the strip club, you, I need 5,000 ones, but give me a receipt. You feel me? Get that to your account. That should be a write-off because you're an artist. You're a brand. But a lot of y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money. And not knowing this, though, when you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you... Like, be a successful music artist, bro. Like, without, you don't have to be real major. We're talking about a successful music artist. You know what I mean? Like, because, like I say, you can take over the music game, right? But you, most of these musicians, they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money. Whether it's real estate, whether it's this, whether it's that. That's where they real money come from. The music is cool. But, I mean, the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm going to tell y'all, you can actually, let's say you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and let them know 
like, hey, I want to partner with you guys. I want to, I want to have a partnership, and you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All this shit is not what people think. Like, as far as like, from the blogs to the, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is done right, but it takes some money though. Don't be cheap. If you cheat, then people won't treat you like shit. You know what I'm saying? If if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread. You gonna get far, but a lot of people who, who who have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes. Monster Cody, you can go get all you can go get all them OGs that that's that's on camera talking, and ask them to show you how they live and where they live, and you will see, man, they really homeless. OG Percy is a crack addict, huh? Everybody know he smoked crack, huh? That's a dope fiend. That's a dope fiend, huh? I ain't never smoked crack. So I'm saying, okay, that's why they love DMX. They loving the dope. Man, this is the dope crack babies. They despise their mamas, but they idolize the dope fiend rappers, the dope fiend gangsters, but they resent their mothers. They resent their grandmothers for being dope fiends. Only to look at these men to idolize, not look up to. They don't look up to these men. They idolize. So I'm saying, man, uh, the only reason we went back and forward is because I spoke on something and it was right. Y'all fighting for what, homie? Y'all for to do a fight for what? Two black men for the fight for what? So now we done tricked the world to believe that only black men can solve their problems is in the boxing ring. Like yeah. you said, let's have a spelling bee, right? Man, a debate. <laughs> Nigga, let's nigga, let's have a let's let's have a, a obstacle. Let's go do an obstacle course, nigga. I challenge any grown man, homie, on this internet talking, nigga. Produce this how you separate the man from the boy. Nigga, get out them corners. Take that camera out that corner and flip around. Let's see how you niggas living, homie. For you to have so much, see this what make me such a bad motherfucker. And I, I, yeah, I can pat myself on the back. See, because I can stand on this shit, my nigga. All the shit that I'm saying, I can stand on. I can pull your news articles. Man, I've been doing this. Man, let's come over here and do this. Come, I can do that. They can't, homie. They got to put themselves in front of the camera and talk for drama. I'm talking for change. It's just I got a bunch of niggas bringing a bunch of drama to me. I came to the internet positive. But I got so much hate on the internet, nigga, I'm going to reflect what's before me. I'm going to reflect what's before me, nigga. And you think I'm going to get an internet the real me? They going to keep getting this goddamn character that they tuned in. They'll never get the real me. You's a dumb motherfucker, Charleston White. You are a dumb bitch. And I will slap the Fuck out your ass, nigga, if you was sitting right here saying some shit like that, nigga, about our profit, nigga. I don't give a fuck if you don't believe in it, you dumb motherfucker. I don't believe in the Buddhists. I don't believe in the Jehovah Witness. I don't believe they, they got the correct answers. 
but I'm not going to say nothing about their motherfucking religion, nigga. So you keep your motherfucking, keep your motherfucking bad thoughts to yourself, nigga. Okay, don't you speak about Islam, nigga, or even Christianity, nigga, talking that shit about God, nigga. And I pray that when you get to your grave, nigga, your ass will burn in hell, nigga, and the flesh will be burnt up, nigga, and your face will melt, nigga, as punishment from God, nigga, for the shit that you said, nigga. You talked all that motherfucking shit, nigga, while you was in your life, nigga, to try to impress motherfuckers on social media, nigga. I'm a dumb motherfucker. I'm a dumb motherfucker, but I still got respect for God, nigga. I still get on my motherfucking knees and pray and bow down, nigga. I ain't never met God, nigga, but whatever the fuck is out there, nigga, I'm not gonna threaten to talk shit about it, motherfucker. Dumb motherfucker talking about it ain't no God. Look around, you dumb motherfucker. Look at the trees, the apples, the oranges. Nigga, the Quran says we put sweet milk in cow's bellies for your ass. We gave you horses to ride. We gave you mules and donkeys to carry your loads to lands that you can never carry to, nigga, without hard struggle. He sends down water from that sky. How many other situations do we misread? And that's what the book's about. And I think the answer is lots. And, and you do talk about quite a few real underdogs in the book as well. And one of the examples you were mentioning at uh, lunch today was uh, was about this girls' basketball team. Yeah. Tell us about that and how yeah. that was shaped. Well, this is one of the things I got reasons I got started writing the book is that I ran into a guy. Some of you may know the guy who founded Tibco, this Vivek Ranadif. I met him at a conference and didn't realize who he was. Weirdly, by the way, I had another experience with the, in this exact same thing where I met someone at a conference, did not realize where they were, who they were, and just had a conversation about sports as a result. The first person I did this with was Larry Page, <laughs> who I thought, I met him years ago, and I thought he was just a graduate student. And I had no idea. And so I was like, where did you go to school? Oh, you know, I'm from Michigan. So we just talked about Michigan State basketball for about 45 minutes. And then afterwards, people were like, do you know who you were talking to? And I had no clue. Anyway, I did the same thing with this guy, Vivek. So he started telling me about how he coached his daughter's, 12-year-old daughter's basketball team. And because he's Indian, he had no clue about basketball. So he goes to, I mean, <laughs> I. I can relate to that. <laughs> okay, good. Just checking. <laughs> he had, there was no natural reason to assume he would know a lot about us. Uh, Underdogs. That's right, exactly. Uh, although only India, a country of a billion people, could claim to be an underdog. Um, so Vivek goes and studies in his kind of software engineer kind of way, goes to study basketball games and becomes convinced that Americans are completely irrational in the way they play basketball because he doesn't understand why, if you are the weaker party in a game, you don't do the full court press all the time because you're going to lose otherwise, right? And by not playing the full court press, you are allowing your opponent to do the, precisely the thing 
that your opponent excels at, which is to, to pass and dribble and execute choreographed plays. Why would you speed their, uh, their, um, uh, their, uh, why would you, why would you allow them to get, why would you, why would you give them the easiest possible route to doing the thing that makes them better than you? So he says, your only hope is to slow them down and to defeat them at the things they're not expert at, i.e., play the full court press. If it fails, so what? You're going to lose anyway. But at least you, you've raised your chances of losing from uh, 95% to something, to something less than 95%. Right? So he teaches this, takes this group of, and he, this is relevant to him because his daughter's team is utterly without any talent whatsoever. These are, <laughs> these are the very, very, very skinny, somewhat nerdy daughters of programmers from Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, so he does this, and he, his strategy is, we're not going to learn, you're not going to learn how to shoot, dribble, or pass. Um, we're not even going to practice any kind of offensive plays. What you're going to do is I'm going to get you in really, really good shape, and I'm going to teach you to do this for the entire game. And what happens is that if you do this for the entire game in a basketball game made up of 12-year-old girls, the other team will not advance the ball past midcourt. And so Vivek's team starts to win by scores like 8 nothing, And... <laughs> Um, and they advance to the national championships. Um, it's so, it's such a hilarious story. And of course, the opponents are so um, flummoxed by this, first of all, and then outraged because the thing that Vivek is playing with his girls is not actually basketball, right? If you don't dribble, pass, or shoot, um, and have no intention of so doing. And if the score at the end of the game is something like 6 nothing, that's not basketball. That's another sport. Um, and so they throw chairs on the court. They challenge him to fistfights in the parking lot. They scream at the refs. And he is sort of massively indifferent. To him, this is more of the strange idiosyncrasies of the American sporting personality. <laughs> and, uh, but I love what I, it, that's a, that is a lovely illustration of my very point because why does Vivek, why is he compelled to follow this strategy? Because he's got nothing, right? He's got bubkus. He, his girls are incapable of playing the game of basketball, right? So what does that do? It spurs him to find a completely alternate strategy that's far more successful. And this is, of course, the great story of innovation, right? That nothing, um, uh, uh, nothing acts as a greater spur to innovation than um, the absence of advantage. Um, so if that's the case, you know, there must be situations where it is not advantageous to have advantages, right? If his girls, the only situation where he's better off is if his girls are really talented. 
So there's a series of conditions. You can be, you could have no talent, you can have massive talent, and you can be anywhere in the middle. The only situation where he could also have reached a national championship is in the 99th percentile condition where his team is massively talented. But, but had he been in anything other, so he's in the 1% condition. That's advantageous because that forces you to play the full cup press. The 99th percentile condition is advantageous. But the 2 through 98 is not advantageous. And he said in that Quran, what the fuck would you do if we took it away? What would you do if we took away the water? We can cause the earth to swallow you up. Wait until you get to your grave, motherfucker. Okay. Niggas can talk all that shit about me, whites, whoever the fuck. Nigga Frisco Dom is a dumb motherfucker. I may be a dumb motherfucker, okay, but I believe in God and I fear what is in the grave that is awaiting my bitch ass, nigga, okay? I'm not gonna play with no shit like that, nigga, or talk about some shit, nigga, that created this entire world and this goddamn universe, motherfucker. So you got some motherfucking balls on you, nigga, to try to talk shit, nigga, to a god that you don't even know if he's sitting there listening to your bitch ass, nigga. So keep on talking shit, nigga. Keep on talking shit, nigga. Okay? But you got to go to that grave. You got to go to that grave. Every motherfucker watching this video got to go to that grave. And you're going to have to face whatever the fuck is waiting for your bitch ass. Okay? And I see a God saying, nigga, all your motherfucking life, you ignored me, motherfucker. You ignored me all your life. Now it is time for me to ignore your bitch ass, nigga. Now. Now. Send your bitch ass to hell, nigga. Ain't no motherfucking hell. I don't believe in it. You'll believe in it when you see it, bitch. Did you take that, put it in your motherfucking pipe, and smoke it with your bitch ass. Now what, motherfucker? Five dollars a day? That's Not like three. Day. Come on. That's bro. like three something. Yeah, come yeah. On. So, you know, just, yeah, I, I always give the invitation because I feel like um, um, the community, and it's hu literally hundreds of people. Yeah. Hundreds of people on the call every single day. So make sure you uh, go to themorningmeetup.com. We also got a Patreon if you want to show love to your favorite podcast. Uh, just yeah. go to patreon.com forward slash David Never Sleeps, Javon. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. Forward slash David Never Sleeps. Make sure you go check that out. Um, you can get like unreleased stuff. And hold on, Jeremy. I'm almost done. Okay. I, I'm doing commercials. You got to pay the bills. I love it. Oh, dang. I don't got my my phone number. I don't know it. You know it? You know my number? Hold on. Y'all can text me. I do pick up this phone, too. I, I actually text. So I got it. 404-737-4935. Make sure you text me. Yeah, make sure you text me. All right, cool. And uh, we're right back. Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you, man. Absolutely. No doubt. Thank you. Yo, real quick, and I know you got to go. We're going to close this out. But can I get like a five-minute conversation for my Patreon members. Okay. So Patreon is like people, it's like unreleased stuff. So everybody gets this, but you got like five, 10 minutes. Okay. 
real quick. Okay. We'll make it quick. Okay. Yeah. Let's close it out. All right. So, Jeremy, let everybody know how to find you, man. Again, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Not only just the podcast, but your uh, mentorship to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. Um, your tutelage, um, just, just, just being who you are. There's nothing that you have that... Simpson. Ben, if the real estate event you are doing next week weekend sold out sold out sold out done you missed it does well will you do more that's what i'm really thinking about doing you know we we can't do big stuff right now we're gonna do small stuff so i'm gonna do small stuff and if it works out we're gonna do it continuously and you know make it small easy you know groups where i can really get my point across uh, so it's sold out, but yeah, if this one works out, we'll do some more. Maybe we'll start doing them in Orlando. Maybe we'll do them in, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. 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 Shout out to the doctor for the $25. The doctor, doctor, doctor. Oh, doctor, no money. Normally give $100. Doctor only get $25. What's the matter, doctor? You lose your patience or what? Still waiting on the lazy river. Lazy river. Well, we'll talk about it. I'll be there on the 19th. Why you earlier? Honestly, let me tell you something. That freaking lazy river saved me today. Uh, I had such a rotten day with so many things going on that, you know, my wife says, hey, why don't you go get in the pool? It's really nice out here. This is before this lousy rain came. You know, I was sitting there depressed, thinking about all this stuff going on, and I says, you know what? She's right. So I took a nice swim and got some exercise around the river. But the goddamn pumps, I think, are cuckoo now. I swear to God, the pump was going the wrong way and pushing me instead of helping me. I'm telling you, I got to talk to that goddamn pool guy. So it was like a workout going against the goddamn current. All right, what else you got? Um, David G. David G. Thanks for the $10. thank you. And by the way, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't like the podcast, blah, blah, blah. You know, I appreciate, and Rafal really appreciates everybody that watches the podcast. It ain't a big thing like the videos, but hey, every bit helps. Rafal needs to eat, and, uh, you know, it helps a lot. And his motorcycle, tell us, Rafal, he tells me today what happened. Yeah, I was... uh throwing the trash today and uh, noticed the empty parking spot where my motorcycle usually sits there and it's gone. So my motorcycle was stolen today from not a bad neighborhood, though, I think. That's when you start seeing things are getting really bad. When things start getting stolen, people start going out stealing, they need money. Okay? So, you know, I'm sorry your bike got stolen. I know uh, it was your favorite bike. Your Europeans bike. like their motorcycle stuff, especially. Yeah, he, I think you guys got more motorcycles than cars in Poland, don't you? Uh, no, not in Poland. Oh, uh, but a lot of those countries. A lot of scooters. Scooters? 50s. Anyways. All right, so listen, Rafael needs a new motorcycle, so come on, help him out here. You know, poor Polak living here in Florida. He's used to the cold weather. He's sweating it out. Why about a bike? So the wind's on. Okay. Uh, give me okay. yours. Anyways. Trying to buy a 14 unit for 990 grand. 25% down 800 credits. 
score, and banks are asking for a four three quarter rate with five twenty recourse loan. I would I could buy it cash. Any ideas how to get a, resp- a reasonable offer? Listen, you're 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 getting ready to pay how much? How much is that deal? Nine hundred ninety. $990,000, almost a million dollars, 14 units. So how much is that a door? Roughly about, what's that, 77 times uh, 10 is 700, 7 70. times 4 is 28, so it's about 70 a door. Right? 72, yeah. Something. All right, so, sounds like a good deal. Hopefully you did all your homework and make sure the rents are going to equal and pay you all the bills and leave you something left over. I hope you got a good return. But, um, I mean, if the banks are willing, you know, the point is, you know, if you're going to put out cash, then you got to get a discount, okay? Cash is king. You know, if they want a quick cash deal, baby, they got to give you a discount. So I would try and then go out and refinance it, okay? Uh, so, you know, that's an option. That's probably what I would do. You know, that's what I always do. If I have the cash, I try to buy up the cash quick and cheap. And then I go back to the bank later. So, but in the meantime, I mean, how much is, what's the question? What's the, what's this rate for something? You know, I mean, you know, you shop around, get different rates. I don't know. It depends on where the building is. If it's an A, a B, a C. Uh, it depends on the bank you're dealing with. It depends on how strong you are. You know, have you gone Fannie or Freddie? If you're looking for long-term debt. I mean, you know, every situation's different. But, you know, you should definitely always go to more than one bank and get a, um, a commitment letter. You know, give them all the information on the property, show them who you are, and say, give me a commitment on this deal, you know. And, and there's, uh, you know, tons of banks out there, but I wouldn't go with only one bank giving you an offer. But it didn't sound like a bad offer. What was he talking about now? He was talking about a 14-unit, 990-grand building, 25% down, 800 credit store score, and banks are asking... For three quarter rate with five twenty recourse. Three quarter long. rate. I don't know what. Let that me see means. it, please. He wrote out three. Hello, hello, hello. Here we go. We got four and three quarter rate emits. He's getting four point seven five is three quarter rate. Four point seven five with a five point two recourse low. Oh. Full recourse. I don't know. You know, you can bargain. Ask him for a lower rate. You know, say, hey, do you loan, uh, you know, with uh, a spread against the LIBOR, you know, or a spread, what do you, what do you, what do you, don't be afraid to ask questions to banks, okay? They loan you money based on a certain rate. You know, they got the cost of funds, they got the LIBOR, they got the treasury, you know, find out what they're loaning you and how many points they're making on it. I'm going to be honest with you, a bank's got to make minimum two points to just, you know, to operate. You know, it's called the, you know, cost of fund. Um, you know, what it costs them to operate. The bank's got to make a couple of points. Unbelievable, right, that they managed to kind of resuscitate themselves and transform themselves. But they had, they might be uh, sui generis. You know, it's maybe they were just in such an unusual position and had... We're so deeply rooted in so many parts of the world and had such a deep bench that that was possible. But the rule is you don't get to, it's not going to last longer than a generation or so. Maybe that's 
maybe part of the answer is that's fine as long as you don't think about Google, as long as you think about you, right? So um, years ago, I remember doing this, this first time I, this was hit home to me. Um, I went to Rochester, and in Rochester, in the, used to be a high technology hub, right? Kodak, uh, Xerox, Bausch & Lohm. But one of the biggest employers in Rochester, high-tech employers in the 1960s, was uh, General Dynamics. I think General Dynamics. One of the big defense contractors. They employed vast numbers of engineers. And they basically, their business model implodes after the Vietnam War. And they shut down their operations in Rochester and moved away. And everyone said, oh my God, it's over, right? One of the biggest employers in town has folded. And what happened if you went back 10 years later was you discovered that the talent that left, that was kicked out of General Dynamics, went on to start so many startups in Rochester that they sparked a whole second wave that ended up actually being... Um, in terms of employment and income brought into the city, greater than the benefit General Dynamics had, had risen. In other words, so Google may f fall one day, probably will, but you won't. You all guys will all, hopefully, many of you, will go on and do other incredibly cool things because of what you, in part, what you learned while you were here. So... You, you can look at it two ways. There's a pessimistic view, but there's also a view that says, no, it's part of the natural cycle. You probably don't want to be working at Google. Am I, is this horrible to say? Um, 25 years from now. You know, you, and nor does society want you to be if, if this company doesn't evolve in dramatic. Maybe it will. I mean, I'm just using Google as a stand-in for Let's use another company. Let's say, <laughs> let's say Microsoft. I mean, at this point, would the world be better off if Microsoft disappeared tomorrow? Yeah. How many, how many unbelievably talented people are trapped working on the umpteenth version of Word? Right? Like, that's not a good use of 150 IQ points. Um, so I don't, you know, I would, I'd be, I would be less, um, I'd be more kind of sanguine about this problem than you might be at the moment. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I can't think of a better note to end on, so. I was like, boo, he kind of extra. Like, you talking about I changed his life. She's like, nah, bro. My man was getting $1,500. He just spoke for an hour virtually and got 10 grand. So she was like, yo, own that. I was like, come on then, girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, like, for real, and everybody not getting that. I got some people getting $1,500, $2,500, four grand. It's all over the place, right? Yeah, right? But the fact that you can do that virtually or in person, it ain't changed lives. Ain't nothing like it. So. Uh, I worked 40 hours a week to make $3,000 a month. 
Oh, yeah, the cheesecake factory. And so you see why when you first asked about the price, I even feel weird sharing it. Because all my partners, Marcus, like Neo, Josh, like all the homies is like, bro, your course is like, it need to be five grand for everything that you're doing. And they got access to you. And they coming on Yo, the don't calls. don't let Neo pressure you because he be pressuring me, bro. Every time <laughs> yeah. I talk to him, I'm not charging enough. Like, I'm like, Yo, bro. Every me. time. Every time. <laughs> and I be hearing it. And But, but when people sure. in my community was like, yeah, I would have paid five grand for this. Mm. I would have paid more. That's why when you first asked how much, and I was like, it's two grand. And you was like, can we get a discount? That's why I was a slightly hesitant because it was just like, because I'm on camera too. Right. A pressure. You know what? <laughs> Yo, listen, if you but do I, But too, I love it though. I don't, I'm not going to renege. For sure. No, no, no. But let's, let's just check this out. If it, because things change, we don't know how, this joint is going to be on for 10 years, right? Right. So if it changes, just promise me it will be a discount under what you normally charge. Yes, on for next sure. Level. Speakers Academy. Never came across this motherfucking video. Nigga got me mad like this. You faggot motherfucking bitch. That's what you is, Charleston White. That's what the fuck you is, nigga. Okay? How many times I got to make videos about your bitch ass, nigga? How many times I got to check your bitch ass? I told you, motherfucker, to watch what the fuck you say, you dumb motherfucker. A bitch ass nigga. I don't agree with no motherfucking nation of Islam. The reason why I don't agree with them because they don't believe the same thing that the regular Muslims believe. They are not Sunni, okay? They don't believe what we believe. They don't believe in life after death. They don't believe in judgment day, nigga. The Quran says clearly talks about judgment day and warns you of judgment day, motherfucker. All these books warn of judgment day, okay? Now, you sitting here taking a risk talking about God and saying that he don't exist when you don't know what the fuck is out there in the motherfucking universe, you dumb motherfucker, okay? You ain't been on this motherfucking earth, nigga, no more than 40 or 50 years, you old, dope-fiend-looking motherfucker. Probably younger than me. I'm about to be 50 motherfucking years old, nigga. And your ass looks 65, motherfucker. Dolphine ass motherfucker talking all that motherfucking shit. If I don't got nothing good to say about somebody, I'm not going to say nothing at all. If somebody come at me and they got a problem with your bitch ass, then I got to come back and check your dumb ass again. Until you listen to what the fuck people are saying about your stupid ass nigga. Then I Saying though, this is my thing though, bro. Clean your credit. You know what I'm saying? 
because like me and you both know they ain't you can't get anything you can't get a subway no. sa- you can't get a subway sandwich you have to fix your credit bro you know what I'm saying because they feel like you're poor if you don't have a decent credit score you have to have it first thing they're gonna do is let me run your credit your ass gonna be sitting there looking cross-eyed and like uh well you could have just took the pay the two bands off gang the whole time all right, no. That tattoos me, and I'm shit. You, listen, bro. You spending all your money and everything else, but what's important? No, this was this shit was over time. Like you know what I'm saying. I'm older now. I'm 33, folks. Oh you know man, you old too. He talking about you old too. Buddy. I'm saying. But, I, only reason I'm saying this. I'm saying that you old, gang, because 33, you ain't, damn, ain't nobody talked to you when you was 20-something, 25? Nah, like, nah, you want, look, I'm going to tell you some real shit, Joe. When we was shorties, like, motherfuckers ain't tell us about credit and shit. Like, even when I went to U.S. Bank and I took that bitch and hunted out, like, I'm like, man, fuck credit. Like, you feel me? So you just said, I'm going to keep the 15. What you do with the 15, gang? No, nah, it was around Christmas time also. Around that time, so I, I put it to. I ain't flipped that shit, but I just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you just finessed I could have, so, but so I you just, So you just fucked they 1500 off, like, man, fuck credit and everything. Hey, Lila, let me yeah, ask you something. So, the reason, do you understand the reason why the bank gave you that 1500 Nah, because they, they, it was like. It was like a long, I went to the ATM, you feel me? This how I started off. I, I took a couple hundred out. I'm like, damn. Then I came back, took a couple hundred more. I'm like, then I'm like, fuck it. I'm finna run it up in this bitch. Right. To my mom. So, so you took a, so now, let me tell you why they gave you the 1500 They gave you your $1,500 because they knew you was going to fuck it off. And guess what you did? I fucked that shit off. You fucked it off. Listen, bro. You did exactly what they thought you was going to do. You could have been... See, this is how you finesse. What you should have did, you should have just went on to pay them their money back, right? And Mm -hmm. then, once you would have paid them their money back, they would have been on dick. So now they're trying to give you five, six, seven, ten, fifteen. You know what I'm saying? Because their whole goal is to get you to start spending money. Right. That's their goal. They want you to spend their money because they make interest often. They keep offering you shit and you not really spending or you spending it little. They know you got a bag. All right, give me a $100,000 credit card. Guess what I'm going to do every month on it? I'm going to go get gas. I'm going to get gas. I'm going to go get gas twice a week and barely use that bitch. Like, I don't need that shit. Now they trying to hit me with the two, three hundred, four hundred, unlimited, right? Because they want you to spend mm-hmm. the money. That's how they make money off you. But you know what you did? You showed them the nigger. You feel me? You got real niggerish. You got real niggerish, gang. You took the fifteen hundred and you finessed. And guess what they did? They dipped you back down. Oh. What's your credit yeah, score? Tell them your credit score again. It's like a five something. Ooh, five boy. Something. 
They didn't only did they not only did they dick you down, they they gave you a disease too. Yeah, they got down on me. I'm thinking, on you know what I'm saying. I knew it was gonna fuck me up in the long run, but you know what I'm saying. It ain't shit to be covered. Yeah. And they did it raw. They fucked you raw, mm-hmm. gang. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what I'm saying, like, like you like damn, they throwing me. Gonna put up, put in the music. People think oh, I'm gonna go to the studio every day, and one of these songs gonna be a hit. Yeah, one of them songs gonna be hit, but not if you don't got no money. You have to have some money behind the song. Period. It ain't gonna work. Nobody's gonna hear. You're only gonna set yourself up for the these bigger artists who have money to be digging like they do. These bigger artists, they don't do anything but go on YouTube, find artists who don't got no money, and steal their shit. You feel me? They steal their shit. Yes, y'all know. Y'all heard about it. Oh, man, that was my song I made in 2015. That was my song I made in 2014. That is not fake. That's all real. They're going to go take your song and switch that shit around. So you need to stop putting out that fucking music and get a bag. Get the bag. You get more respect anyways from everybody, from the vloggers, from this person, from that person. They definitely want to see you come from the ground up. But they definitely want you to have everybody, like for me, right? I, like, I'm I'm assigned somebody, right? But me, I need a hustler like myself. You feel me? Like, you, like, when you look at all these other artists who have these guys that they sign, notice that they sign big hustlers. Big time niggas that's getting money, big, you know, niggas ain't really just going to sign and niggas that ain't got no type of hustle in them because... It's almost like a drag. It's almost like a, you know what I'm saying? It's one of them like, damn, bro, you feel me? Like, niggas is looking for that, that hustling nigga, the nigga that make you excited when they come around because they always get to the bag. That's fun. You want a, you want a fun motherfucker. Like, you know that they always got their head out that's needy. You know what I'm saying? So most of the time, that's what people like if it's a street guy, they looking for if they got bags and they looking for niggas to sign, they looking for stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So on the other end, as far as labels, they more look for younger shorties who they can kind of fuck over. You know what I'm saying? That's the new game right now. When you too smart, they don't really be wanting too much to deal with you because it's like you too smart. <laughs> But we can get this little 17, 16, 15-year-old nigga that we can blow him up big and really check a bag off his ass because he don't know nothing about nothing. $50,000 is like $500,000 to him, a million dollars to him, you know what I'm saying? Get his ass a few little chains and then, shit, let him do a show. But we going to make majority of all the money off his this, off that, this, that. They basically just sucking the motherfucker dry, but they're going to make them super, super famous. You know what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of people that was real famous, that's younger, not real, real rich. They don't be really rich. You know what I'm saying? You just be like, damn, I thought this person was like rich, rich. But nah, because the labels is getting rich as fuck off this person, but they spoon feeding them. You know what I mean? So... You just gotta have your paperwork in order. You gotta have your management in order. You gotta have your account in order. You have to have your lawyer on retainer. You know what I'm saying? You have to, um, you gotta have, if you ASCAP and uh, BMI shit together, you know what I'm saying? 
And it's basically just about having the finances, man. It's just like a business. Your music is a business. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like a lot of people don't understand that. You, how are you so good at music? And then when it comes to the business or contracts or um, finances, you don't know anything about it. But you talking about you, you clearly just doing music for no reason. And in your head, you're not thinking that I'm going to be the biggest rapper in the world. Okay. What comes with being the biggest rapper in the world? Damn, lawyers, um, accountants, uh, taxes. Um, you feel me? That's how you got to think. That's the only way that you going to really be the top nigga in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no other way of being the biggest rapper in the world if you ain't thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? You just going to the studio doing some music because clearly you're wasting your money. Also, if you go start your LLC, let's say whatever you call your LLC, Trap Boy or Big Dog LLC, right? So, if you got an LLC and it's about music, from the studio should be a write-off. When you go in the studio and you pay for your studio time, let's say if you spend five hours a day in the studio, everything should be a write-off. All the clothes you buy, you as an artist should be a write-off. The cars you're driving, it should be a write-off. Where you stand should be a write-off. You're an artist, you're an entertainer, always. Every, when you go in the strip club, you, I need 5,000 ones, but give me a receipt. You feel me? Get that to your account. That should be a write-off because you're an artist, you're a brand. But a lot of y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money and not knowing this though. When you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you, like, be a successful music artist, bro. Like, without, you don't have to be real major. We're talking about a successful music artist, you know what I mean? Like, because like I say, you can take over the music game, right? But you, most of these musicians, they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money. Whether it's real estate, whether it's this, whether it's that. That's where they real money come from. The music is cool, but I mean, the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm going to tell y'all, you can actually, let's say you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and, and let them know, like, hey, I want to partner with you guys. I want to I have a partnership. And you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All this shit is not what people think like as far as like from the blogs to the, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is done right, but it takes some money though. Don't be cheap. If you cheap, then people won't treat you like shit. You know what I'm saying? If, if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread, you're going to get far. But a lot of people who, who, who have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes another country. And that didn't always happen there. Some people were much too, um, like if you talk to some State Department workers, you'll see, you'll see it too, where they're much too America forward. And I feel like that's a mistake. Like 
you need to keep that perspective because that is your goal. Like your, your mission is to represent and do what's best for America. But if you can't understand what the Russians or the Chinese are thinking and feeling, you're, you're going to miss it. You know, you're going to miss the mark. So, um, like on, like you have to understand motivations and vulnerabilities and that's really the only way to do it. So, when I met, when I started working with all these amazing people at the CAA, um, my perspective was just broadened, I think. And then I met people, you're not supposed to be um, uh, political there. And so there was much less. You're not supposed to be? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're, I mean, I think any federal government agency is like that. You're not supposed, you are supposed to represent the government. The government changes political parties constantly. Right. Um, so you're not really supposed to, like, like, there aren't a lot of conversations where people are like, you feel like you're inundated with liberal ideas or inundated with conservative ideas. People just speak their mind. They speak it in an intelligent way. And there's always reasoning behind it. And for me, that's, you know, there has to be, there has to be depth to mm-hmm. the conversation. Like if you just start, if somebody's just spewing ideas, there's, there has to be more, more to that. Mm. Right. Did you ever have any moral qualms with some of your missions that you got sent on when you were, mm. when you first got in there and you had to get sent over I mean, I don't know how much of the work that you, you were involved in was like part of like regime changes or like greed on parts of yeah different things the U.S. was doing in other countries. So I worked um, I worked covert influence for a period, and I loved it. Um, the covert influence. influence, yeah. So there's covert influence and there's covert action. Covert action. Um, it's like Bay of Pigs, right? Like they went in and nobody was supposed to know that it was America. Um, covert influence is much more subtle. It's, it's like, um, what Russia does to us basically, um, you know, changing hearts, trying to influence elections and stuff, influencing hearts and minds, um, to get a certain result. Right. So you're really targeting, people and i have this social work background i studied psychology for a bit in in college and i just thought it was so fascinating like you think about your end goal like where do you want people to get to like what conclusion do you want people to get to and then how do you lead them there verbally right through propaganda or through newspaper articles or through um you know just verbal like ideas, right? Like idea sharing, um, you know, dropping leaflets, right? Like it's just such a fascinating process to me. So covert influence, I would say was the closest place where I, I thought I was luckily never put on anything that I felt was super dicey. Um, there we did, I did learn that, uh, the government, there are rules. So that was something that was actually comforting because I'm in this office and, um, we were trying to plan something and then the lawyers are on all of our projects and they're like, you cannot do this. And we're like, Oh, and they're like, you cannot incite violence. Like you cannot 
put anything out there that's going to make people like if you think in any way that it's going to make people violent towards each other, you are not allowed to do that. And I was I felt it just made me feel better. I was like, all right, there's rules here, like mm-hmm. lawyers on my case. Like, that's great. Like, yeah. all right, you know, let's do this, you know, right. black op and <laughs> you know, with with some morals here. Um but yeah, there's definitely been things done in CIA's past, right, that I wouldn't have agreed with. Um, I was looking never to be in a situation where I was, you know, where I was looking to never be put in a position where I had to decide whether I was going to go along with something I was not comfortable with or whether I was going to have to leave. Um, Because that's always an option, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And when I was interviewed, that was one of the questions they asked me. Because I'm Buddhist, I was a social worker, and the interviewer was like, how do you reconcile these things about you with all the gray area the CIA is going to have. And I was like, you know, you just decide on the spot. Like you have to decide case by case. There's no black and white. Every situation is completely individual. So, yeah, I, I really love what, uh, how Andrew described the, the difference between black and white and good and bad, like people's, people's moral judgments that they make in the real world by and large are good or bad right or left and it's all funneled into these two binary categories Mm -hmm. and it was super fascinating to me how the CIA expanded that view and that way of thinking the critical thinking and the the cognitive uh what was the word the cognitive Oh. Uh, dissociation or something like that. Yeah. But basically <clears throat> how the CIA adapted a black and white way of looking at the world into a basically a color wheel of not just gray areas, but actually color yes. to where you have to analyze situations depending mm-hmm. on the different elements and the different information that you're getting from people, whether you completely disagree with this person, if this person is the scum of the earth child murderer whatever it could be but you need to 199 you wear a helmet no helmet laura florida thanks ben for the quality content what thanks ben for the quality content that i watch daily thank you very much for watching we appreciate it what else we got nothing else to do but miserable real i'll tell you right now if you own real estate you better get your shit together you better be on top of it like you've never been on top of it before in your life because uh, it's looking really weird. We're not over. We're not out of the woods, okay? The money ain't flowing. The planes ain't flying. The players ain't playing. All right? What else? Nothing from you? Nothing from yeah, you? I go David, now. David G, thanks for the $5. I'm David 40. G, cheap I'm- coat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm 47, worth about five mio. You worth five million dollars? You only sent me five dollars? That's not even like. No, I'm just kidding. You worth five million bucks? What are you gonna do with, with it? Eight, with Tell me, I don't know what to do with, with my 800, money. With 800,000 cash and no debt, 
what would you buy to generate about ten grand per month income to live off the next many years? Alright, seriously, if you got eight hundred cash, you know, you know, and you don't want to have a lot of responsibility and you want to use it as income and you want it to be safe, then you better look for triple net deals where there's no management, there's no nothing. You know, you may have to go out of your area, which it doesn't matter because you're not managing it. I got three triple net deals that are 500 miles away. I, 